Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire. Um, Bill's on again today. Hello. And we'll be discussing the first Bran point of view chapter. So this is Bran Stark. And Bran is seven years old. And he is going to witness a beheading for the first time. His, um, a deserter from the Night's Watch has been caught. Specifically the deserter from the previous chapter. What was his name again? It was, uh, begins with a G. Oh, it was, uh... See, we're looking it up. Hang on, I know this, but... We don't remember their weird... He's Garrett, he's Garrett. So he's the 40-year-old veteran who was missing his ears. Yeah. And he's been caught, and... He is going to be executed for desertion, and Bran and the other Stark boys are going to come along and watch. Bran thinks that this guy is a wildling. Yeah. And he's heard tales about the wildlings from Old Nan. Yeah. What were those tales, sir? That they consorted with giants and ghouls, that they were... Slavers, slayers, and thieves, they stole girl children in the dead of night, drank blood from polished horns, and their women lay with the others, so white walkers, so in the long night to sire terrible half-human children. So literally blood libel. Um, you know, basically the Westerosi equivalent of blood libel. And Sarah was talking about how she's like, oh, would a seven-year-old know of that? Not necessarily, but seven-year-olds talk about well, things if, like if that. Well, if old Nan's telling him that. Well, also, seven-year-olds talk. And, um, although these stories are extremely exaggerated, um, well, the giants are a real thing, um... The ghouls, that's probably going to be the whites, the, um, the ice zombies. And the wildlings hate them too, but, um, I think some of these stories may have something to do with what, uh, I guess this is a spoiler, but. There's a character named Craster who comes up later who is up to some very uh, shady stuff. I'll just leave it at that for now. Um, yeah. And this isn't a wild thing. This is a deserter from the Night's Watch. This is Garrod and... Um, Lord Eddard Stark is going to behead him with his Valyrian steel greatsword ice. Yeah, because nothing nothing has an edge like Valyrian steel, according to that. And um, Eddard Stark is going to do it himself because um, in the North they have the belief if you pass the sentence you have to swing the sword yourself. Um... Do you think do you think he's really Ned's responsibility or 
Yeah, he, I'd say so. I mean, he descended from the Night's Watch. I mean, I if I were him, I, I would mean, yeah, I guess they could have sent, gone to the trouble to send him back again to. Yeah, and the Night's Watch would have taken his head instead, or, or hung or him. Or they could have done something smart and interrogate him, like actually interrogate him and ask what happened, what he saw. But, uh, you know, they don't do that because they have their dumb medieval culture. Sorry, I'm going to call it like I seize it. Um, so, yeah, he, he does that. And so then what happens next, Sarah? Well, it talks about um, the Stark boys and um, what they look like a bit. So most of them have... Um, like an auburn red brown hair, and then there's Jon Snow, who uh, is he's supposed to be Eddard Stark's uh, illegitimate son. Uh, they use the word bastard throughout the series. It's it's not it's a Jon Snow. Jon Snow, Snow mean it's not bastard. really a word I'm in favor of. Use for that in real it's life, an, but it is it is the official word. It is it's an official um, word of medievaldom. It's an official word in history, and it's used it's throughout John the series. John Snow, the main character, John Snow. He's a bastard. He's known to be a bastard early on because of what happens, which we will get into later, because he has a whole origin story about that. And he looks a little different from the. Uh, the Trueborn Stark brothers, he has dark hair, and um, he's skinnier than um, Rob, Rob Stark, the oldest Stark boy, who's um, more like muscular built. And uh, he's... Rob Stark is 14, 15, about that age. And so, Jon Snow is 14. So, almost a man back then. I believe that in Westeros, you are considered officially an adult at 15. Uh, got any comment there, Bill? That's the way it was in most societies back then. I say back then. This is a fantasy world. It's clearly based off medieval... And Most they also have a. The Starks also have a ward um, named Theon Greyjoy. And it doesn't really go into his backstory yet, but he's basically a hostage from. When the, the Greyjoy rebellion against the Crown and. Um, the Greyjoy's were defeated, and um, part of that was Theon, as a young boy, went to live with the Starks, and he was basically, he was raised as a son among them, but technically, if the Greyjoys rebelled again, um, Theon could be executed. I don't know well, if Ned would have really done that, but... He'd be held for ransom, maybe, because that's, again, it's medieval land, where... Basically, that was a common thing to be done. Um, and that's actually common throughout a lot of history, um, <clears throat> including Roman history. I mean, you know, 
you and you know Persian history. So. So anyway, this uh, Night's Watch deserter is executed, and um, Rob notes that he died bravely in the end. And Jon Snow is like, no, it wasn't courage. He was like, dead of fear already. No, not literally dead, but you know, dead inside from it. And Rob says... The others take his eyes. He died well. The others take his eyes. That's an interesting uh, curse. Do you think that's uh, got anything to do with the... Unless they literally take the eyes, which... The blue... The eyes of the whites, how they turn blue? Yeah, maybe. Unless there's literally, like, I... I think that might be some kind of, like, cultural memory of it when they don't really understand how it works anymore. They kept that as a swear. Well, also, taking the eyes, that's a thing where, in a lot of cultures, that's like you're taking their soul. Because, you know, they, they, they believe that that would be a connection. Um, and uh, the boys race their horses to the bridge. And Bran's following on his pony, which isn't uh, as fast. And... Eddard asked Bran if he's okay, and um, Bran's like, yes. Seven-year-old Bran, he's okay with having just witnessed this. And um, Eddard, or um, Ned, he goes by Ned a lot, explains that he was an Oathbreaker from the Night's Watch, and Oathbreakers from the Night's Watch are very dangerous because... You know, they know they'll be executed anyway if they're caught, so they will do you know, desperate crimes to stay alive, is what what he's saying. And, uh... This is where it comes up about, you know, the man who passes the sentence has to swing the sword. Uh, yeah, this is the origin of And Bran, uh says that King Robert, so in King's Landing, the king has a, a headsman and an executioner to do it, and so did, and his father says the Targaryen kings did too, but the Starks are um, from an older way and are from the blood of the first men, and this is their custom, the man who passes the sentence must swing the sword. Yeah. And uh, this is the part where they find the direwolves. Yes, this is the part I was getting ready for. So, yeah. So they find a gigantic wolf dead with an antler impaled through its throat. Yep. Um, and this wolf is about the size of a pony and twice as big as like the biggest dog in the kennel. Yeah. And... Um, John identifies it as a dire wolf as a not irregular wolf and they don't normally come south of the wall um, so this wolf has somehow come south of uh, the Night's Watch wall don't know how it did that Maybe it... uh, could a wolf swim that far at the, the ocean end of it 
I don't think so. That would be... Is this a, a plot hole? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they could be argued that they're direwolves, and therefore, you know, super wolves. And she has five puppies that they find. Eyes still closed, and they're looking for milk, and... Really sad, actually. Um, and... You know, they find the the antler stuck into the mother wolf, and... Yeah, it clearly failed at uh, hunting something. Probably a large elk. Um, so, yeah. Going back to the whole dire wolf thing, uh, we did an episode on dire wolves and other uh, fauna of Middle-earth. Not Mi- this... Westeros. Sorry, Westeros. <laughs> On other on other fauna of Westeros, we're gonna do a fauna of Middle Earth episode in the future. Um, Might want to wait till that Nature of Middle Earth book comes out in uh, September, yeah. just so I can uh, read can it first. It, or but... you can do it before and after. Anyway, the point is that we did a fauna of Westeros, and we discussed direwolves. Direwolves are check out the fauna of Planetos podcast. Are a real animal. They were a real animal, and they were they were uh, larger than wolves, and they had a, a deeper skull and a lar- larger teeth with a stronger bite force. And but they were not as large not pony size. They were not the, as large as the Westeros um, the Westeros direwolves. However. Uh, they were still very, very, very formidable. Uh, somebody was talking about how, you know, tough the Westeros ones were. It's like, the actual ones were probably tougher than that, in my opinion. Yeah, Westeros ones are going around fighting knights and stuff. And I think that has to do with it. Whereas actual direwolves were fighting mammoths and saber-toothed cats. And things like that. You later have, uh, I guess this is a spoiler, you got Westeros direwolves, like... Attacking a group of armed mounted soldiers. I don't see the real thing doing that. Um, and this is where the magical influence that'll come later on will um, come in. And. Yeah. Jory Cassell, I haven't introduced him yet. He's a, uh, oh, what, what would you, what would you call, he is one of, um, Ned Stark's men. Yeah. And he says that he has heard tales that maybe the wolf was already dead when the puppies were born. Okay, that doesn't happen, and that's creepy. No, that's um, biologically impossible, and I don't think... I don't think Westeros would go there, but uh, like I, I don't think that Game of Thrones would go there, but I don't know. Well, maybe it's a superstition. So, yeah, um, another man mentions that that could be bad luck, and um, someone else says that you know they're gonna die soon too. Which yeah, they're they're puppies and they still need to nurse. And Theon Greyjoy, because he's a jerk, is like, you know, let's do a 
sooner the better. Give the give me a puppy right now and pulls out a sword. And Bran's like, no, it's mine. Rob tells Theon to put away his sword. Okay, Theon is way too eager to kill a puppy. I mean, I understand the practicality end, but... No, I think Theon wants to... I think they make Theon, though, try... I think they're making him kind of a creep. And, like, you know, kind of bloodthirsty. And, you know, he wants to just kill something, like, right away. I think they're doing that. And I think they're trying to introduce him that way. And, you know, they sort of make... They're going to eventually evolve his character, but that's how they introduce him, and that's that's how that works. And, um... Bran looks to his dad, you know, Lord Eddard Stark, and his dad agrees that it's better to um, kill them quickly than have them die slowly from the cold and from starving. Which is probably an accurate attitude for the time period. I mean, now, of course, we're like, yeah, rescue those puppies, but... um, Yeah, he probably feared it to an extent, too. He probably thought, oh, I'm gonna put down this terrible direwolf, this, uh, this, you know, I'm gonna put down these menacing, potential future menaces. Um, Bran and Rob are both you know, speaking up for saving the puppies, and Rob says that Sir Roderick's uh, red bitch female dog um, had puppies again last week, and there were only and she only has two live puppies, so she could nurse the wolf pups, which is a good solution, provided that she you know, accepts them okay. Uh, dogs often will take in puppies from another dog or even another species if um, if they had a recent litter themselves. And um, Jon Snow says that there are five pups, one for each um, troop, one Stark um, children. Yep. And the direwolf is the sigil of your house, so they were meant to have these pups. And Ned asks, "Do you want a pup for yourself?" And he's like, "No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a Stark." <laughs> and epic foreshadowing. Anyway, go ahead. You know, Rob says he'll you know take care of the puppies himself and soak a towel in warm milk for them to um, suck on the towel and drink that way. Uh, which I guess could maybe work. And, um, Ned says that you have to, you have to train them well. You can't be wasting servants' time with it. Um, you have to feed them. Though it's, it's all on the, the boys and, uh, the girls, the kids' responsibility. And that these have to be trained carefully. You can't neglect them, brutalize them, or train them badly. Uh, this is a wolf, not a dog. If you screw this up, they can take a man's arm off. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's true. If uh, a tamed wolf or high-content wolf dog, you know, that's much more intense than a regular dog. You do not... I don't have any personal experience owning or training one, but 
you gotta do it right and all yeah. that uh and yeah Edward agrees to them taking these wolves and um John John no not the end John finds no, a not si- the end I said towards the end Go a ahead. sixth wolf and it's an albino and its eyes its red eyes are already open yeah now that's a little bit of a fantasy element but albino dogs exist and probably albino wolves exist too but their exist? eyes are more like a very pale blue and they have a pink nose I don't think they come in like true albino with the red eyes yeah they can they can. I mean, I don't know how often that happens, but I know that dogs can have that happen. So, um, but it's not common, but it can happen. Um, most animals will usually die pretty early on if that happens, but, you know, sometimes they don't. So, And, of course, Theon, being the jerk that he is, he's like, this one will die even faster than the others, and he finds this funny. Yeah. Um, and this is what I what I was talking about. Where John says, "I John think say? not, Greyjoy. This one belongs to me." Yeah. So, this is the origin of ghost. And and it's clearly not meant to be a natural thing. And the fact his that eyes, the are, eyes open are open earlier. Yeah, that's. It's not meant to be natural. It's meant to be some sort of semi supernatural. Uh, yeah. And, oh yeah, this is uh, the origin of the six direwolves, and uh, that finishes the chapter. You got anything else to comment about, Bill? Uh, I already commented on direwolves. They were a real thing. A lot of people don't know that. So, but no, these are large, large wolves. They're going to be about the size of, like, a small, like, donkey or something like that, or a pony or And going... Later into it, you'll find they have a magical element to them also. Yeah. So. So, in some way, you think of this as a fantasy creature. Yeah, I'd say it's more fantasy than reality, but it is based loosely off of a real animal that once existed. And, uh, that wraps it up. Um, stay tuned for the next chapter of, uh, A Game of Thrones, and thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire.